Welcome to another episode of Band Director Bootcamp, the podcast with productivity and wellness tips for busy band directors. I'm your host, Leslie Moffat, and I'm really grateful to be sharing this platform with you. As busy band directors, we know you don't have lots of time to watch lengthy professional development webinars, so we share 20-minute tidbits with takeaways you can use to support you in this awesome profession in a healthier way. Today, there's another Leslie on board. This is Leslie Rubio, who's been in the music and production and piece of teaching and education for 11 years, but has spent the last five specifically as a sixth through 12th grade band director. So she's got lots of strategies in her pocket. But the reason I sought her out and asked her to be a guest today is because she's going to talk to us about um, three tips she's got for motivating and engaging kids and ways of taking ownership of their own progress in ways that will create a student-centered learning atmosphere, helps them get more self-directed, and provides ongoing feedback to both her and to the kids So, uh, as to their current skill mastery. And it, what she's found is that this has led to easier classroom management, a whole lot less stress for her, and a lot less work in the long run. And the musicianship and interaction with and from her kids has been markedly better. So she's going to tell us about what all, what that actually is and what it looks like in her classroom and what it could do for you. But let's learn a little bit more about Leslie and what led her to be a music educator and get up every morning and do this important work. Hey, thanks for being here, Leslie. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. Well, tell us a little bit more about your background so, so we know what you've got as you're coming to the table here. Um, I've been surrounded by music my entire life. Um, every Everybody in my family plays the piano. So I started piano at four and it just went from there. Of course, did choir and music, joined band in fifth grade. And that was the end. I went, this is it. I love it. I want to do it. Um, played clarinets my main instrument went to college for music where i studied um, instrumental music and vocal music and so i just have always wanted to do something in music my whole life and i i did a performance degree and so that didn't always lead to teaching right away but i've done private instruction for decades and um, had the opportunity five years ago to come into this position I'm in now as a full-time band director in Michigan. And it's my dream job. It took a long time to get here, but it's 100% my dream job. I love sharing um, the love and appreciation of music with students, knowing that they honestly, probably 90% of them will not do music as a profession um, after they graduate high school. But if they have a love and appreciation for different types of music from different backgrounds, different genres, that's where I feel I have been successful. Oh, I hear the enthusiasm and enjoyment and joy in your voice. So um, clearly if you've uh, been teaching through a pandemic and all of those things, and you've, you've come to it with this much joy still and enthusiasm, you figured some stuff out. So I want to know, was it always this easy for you? Um, did you, the strategies we're going to talk about today, was this something that you implemented from the beginning? Cause somebody told you about it, or did you get to a point in your teaching where you said, Ooh, I need to try something new because something's not working. Uh, no, it was a process. Uh, my first couple of years were, my first year was really interesting because the band director that left, the most of the kids loved him. And so following him was a challenge. So just, I spent that first year focusing on getting, building community within the program and visibility of the program. Um, and right after the pandemic hit, 
Uh, we still did, we were shut down, but the next year we did school, weird school. We were in auditorium and outside and rehearsing and, and high schoolers loved it because they just wanted to play music, but the middle schoolers were squirrely. It was that weird pandemic time where they didn't know if tomorrow was going to be different than today. And so I just thought I need a way to get them focused. I needed a way to help them be able to see because they didn't know what the future was going to hold. So I wanted to develop something where they could see where what the ultimate goal was with short goals along the way so they could visibly see a chart. I did these charts, uh, visibly see what the short term goals were, what was coming up next and what ultimately their final goal would be and that really helped them probably breathe a little bit because there wasn't an unknown what are we doing in class today um, they knew exactly what was going to happen I think that really helped them to know some security on what was going to happen and how what does that look like now has it stayed the same since you did this or have you created like more of a process um, have you refined it I did. It started with, I, uh, I, I call them a cookie chart. So I, they're called go charts now, but I started with a cookie chart specific to like one song. So I would do a chart for a song that focused on, um, I would break it down by measures, you know, measures one through 12, 13 through 24. And then each row would be like notes. Are you playing the correct notes? Rhythm, are you playing the correct rhythm? And then depending on the song, how are the dynamics or how are their articulations? And as as a class, as we mastered each section, they would get a gold star. And when they filled that chart for that song, they would get a cookie party. And they loved it. I had parents that would donate cookies and they could see. And so it really spurred them to really focus in. And so I took that and I went, how can I apply that to a bigger picture? Um, and so I... I call them go charts now, and I usually do them after Christmas break um, with my middle schoolers, uh, my couple different levels of middle schoolers. So we get a couple charts going at the same time. And um, it starts, I break it to usually eight to 10 weeks because we have to also work on spring concert music. But the first eight to 10 weeks after um, Christmas break, I set up a chart. And what the chart is, is a review because we just had Christmas break. Um, and so uh, the first few rows will be just reviewing what we've been doing. So the, the chart will look like um, columns and then the first column are the different things we're gonna be learning. So the first row is review. The second row is uh, band book exercises, 23, 27, 29, reviewing um, articulations. Uh, then the next row, band book exercises 37 38 39 reviewing eighth notes or whatever i'm wanting them to review and then um in each row next to that are the exercises so they get a star for each exercise that they can play well then usually either a playing test a worksheet or um a like a written quiz. They kind of the same thing as a worksheet, but they you know they're weighted heavier in the grade book. And so what the go charts are is they have to um succeed as a class. So if we're playing exercise 23 and we're reviewing, let's say we're reviewing um 
eighth notes. We start at 23 and we play. And as soon as I hear a mistake, we stop, I cut off, I count off again, and we start at the beginning. And so every time I hear a mistake, we stop and start over. And we don't move on to the next exercise or the next activity or the next row or column until we can play that. Now, I, it's not perfect. If I hear a tiny little thing, I don't stop. But the bigger, if a rhythm is wrong, if there's blatantly notes wrong or that kind of thing. And what it has done is, and I also don't let the students blame each other. I That's cut that right off. Yeah. Right from the beginning. Oh, John, you messed up measure seven. Nope. Yep. We all know. Everybody heard it. That's why we stopped. So instead, how can you help John fix that? You know, so they, as we started that, that was rough at the beginning because they all wanted yeah. to point fingers. Um, but now, like, now I see them leaning to each next to each other when they hear each other mess up and go, that's an eighth note, or that's a B, or that's an F sharp saxophones, you know? And so uh, it's kind of built this community where they have to succeed or fail together. And that has really changed how things move in the classroom. Because when I put these charts out, I tell them from the beginning, this, we will move as fast or as slow through this chart as you guys want. So it's not up to me how fast or how slow we progress through these charts. It is completely up to you. So it's going to depend on how you're playing individually, but how you're helping your neighbor play. And as we finish each row, um, they get a star. And at the end of each row, there's a reward. So you have a large chart with columns. And at the end of each row is a reward. And the rewards are like stickers, you know, you can buy 300 stickers for $10, you know, um, candies, just, you know, little trinkety yeah. things. Like I put an Amazon wish list together as, and people sometimes will do that. I also have put some of it in my budget, but, and then when they fill up the whole chart, there's the big payoff and the big payoff is like, they get a day to play games and I have music themed games, or if the weather's nice, we go outside and they get to play outside. Or um, my kids love to play tag in the auditorium. It's something so simple, um, but they love it. And they work really hard with each other because they want this big payoff. And what I've done is I use it review, but then that's how I also teach the new stuff too. So they know what's coming and it's building on each other. So we've done these notes, we've done eighth notes. Now we're gonna learn 16th notes and then we do that for probably two or three rows because you know when you learn a new concept reinforce 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 but then by the end of that we've accomplished where i need them to be before we start concert music for the spring so it takes eight to ten weeks it's their decision how fast or how slow we move they can only move as a unit and so it's really done a great job of getting them to work together instead of blaming each other. They're helping each other. And I get the new concepts taught because they can see what's coming. They can work ahead because I post it in the classroom what's coming. I post it on our online learning platform what's coming. So if we have some really go-getters, they can work ahead and they can come to pre the class prepared to do those already and help each other out. Yeah. And that's addressing all the differentiated learning, the motivation and all of the things and building so many other, you know, group working teamwork skills together. We're going to ask you to tell us one more example like you just did. But before we get to our final question, I want to invite all of you listeners out there to uh, think a minute about how you might be able to put some of these practices we've been talking about on the podcast here into practice in your own life. Welcome band director bootcamp listeners. If you're feeling a bit burnt out and are ready for support and accountability partners in your wellness and productivity, we have an amazing opportunity for you. 
Join our 90-day virtual boot camp, a community initiative designed for busy band directors like you who love their job but seek a more sustainable approach. We'll meet weekly, discuss your wellness goals, and develop strategies to help you achieve them. We'll tackle productivity hacks and fine-tuned systems for the upcoming school year. With 35 years of experience, I've got some tricks and tips up my sleeve that I can't wait to share. So as we move into a new season of our lives, if you want to feel empowered and supported by like-minded individuals, this is your chance. Reach out to me at banddirectorbootcamp.com or click on the link in our show notes to schedule a 15-minute call. Let's ensure this is the right fit for you, get you signed up, and embark on this wellness journey together. Because together, we rise. All right, we are back with Leslie Rubio, who's going to share one other specific thing that she's changed that is part of this gamification, if you will, that has been um, really, really helpful and why. Uh, we've all been the whole practice logs. We do practice logs. We want to instill a sense of you know routine with kids and build habits. But what habits are we building? Are we building the, I'll forge my parents' signatures or I'll sit with my horn in my lap while I scroll on my phone and call it practicing, you know? How do we know? So, so Leslie, you've addressed this head on, you've done something and I want to know all about it. Uh, yes. Yeah, so practice logs. I had students quit band at one point because of practice logs. Um, I thought, which were very reasonable, but they would say, I don't have time to put this in my outside of school time. So I'm just going to quit band. And so I did away with practice logs like my second year there. Um, so this year I went, how do I get these kids to practice outside of band? You can't just ask them. I tried, had tried in previous years, playing tests, more playing tests. Let's just have a playing test every other week that will motivate them to practice. And for some that works for some that are self-motivated that want to get an A on a playing test, they will do it. Um, and some that just don't care, they come and they get, you know, the rubric for the playing test, they're like ones and twos, and they just don't care because they've done the assignment. Uh, but we have some kids that are really competitive and some kids that aren't. So I wanted to set up a system um, that was self-motivated. They could do it or they could not do it. So I started something called the practice race this year, and it was totally voluntary. They didn't have to do it, um, but I did little graphics. Looks like a runner on a music staff, and the practice race was a practice log. It was a practice. They didn't know it was the old-fashioned practice log. Here's what I practiced every day, you know, Monday to here's what I practiced. And then on the back, they had to reflect on um, how they felt they did when they practiced, what um, could they do better and what do they want to do better that they might need some help with. And in order to get credit for the practice log, they had to fill out the whole thing, not just their minutes and parents had to sign. Um, but they, it was totally student led. And I broke it down if they practiced 90 minutes or more that week. And I only took the practice logs on Monday. They could only turn it in on Monday. Any other time would have to be next week. Um, they got a sticker to, you know, chose from my huge thing of stickers. Um, like 91 to 120, they got another prize. I had different levels of prizes that they could do. And I would total everything up on Monday afternoon. And when they would come to class on Tuesday, I had set up along the wall, the big long wall, they have a little graphic with their name and the number of minutes that they've earned so far. And every time they would come in on Tuesday, those students that were participating saw that their little um, icon had moved down the wall because I would move them 
you know, like a race who's mm-hmm. in the lead. Mm-hmm. So um, as they came in, they could see who was out front and I would change. I did them through a um, little post-it. So I didn't have to change the icon every week, just a little post-it. So the color was different every week and they could see who was in front. And I only, it was something new I did. So I only started it in March, March and April. I had one student practice almost 2000 minutes because she wanted like within the first three weeks, she had racked up a thousand minutes already because she just was like, I have the time now before track starts. And so I want to do this now and get my time in. I had other students that were up in the 900s, 800s. I had one student, she did 30 minutes because she just wanted to get on the board, <laughs> but it put it in their hands. It gave them ownership of when they practice, how they practice. They could come in during lunch. They could come in before school. They could do it at home. As long as it didn't happen during class, they could do it. And so the big prizes, we have gnomes as a weird theme in our band. So the big prize was that a student got their very own band gnome, which was like a huge motivator. They, they had a few students really fighting it out for that one, um, but it put it in their hands. It made them in control of when they practice, what they practice, because they had to write down what they practice. They couldn't just practice the same scale that they love or exercise 29 that was their favorite. Yeah. So I had to be able to see different things that they were doing. And then it made them reflect on how did they practice? Did they get better? What were they struggling with? And then I would address that with them. I, I saw on your practice sheet that you're having trouble with these eighth notes in measure 27. Let's talk about how you can do that better. So I was able to touch base with them individually because they were communicating with me, but I didn't have to take time out of class to do it because they wrote it down in their practice log. And because it wasn't part of their grade, it was just extra. There wasn't pressure for those students that just didn't want to, or didn't have time or could do it anyway, didn't have to deal with that. Um, and it happened where some students saw what their peers were doing and they joined in and some didn't. But I like that even just, even if just half the class were, were doing it, we were a better band because they were practicing outside of class. Which is the ultimate goal, right? You got a lot of other right. benefits along the way, but your band got better because the students yeah, got better. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and that's what we're trying to do. Well, the, I love the, the thinking that you've done here and the way you've adapted it for your situation and band directors are pretty smart so they can see and hear what you've talked about and say, hey, this might work or that might work with a little bit of tweaking. And so yeah. Yeah, putting that out there, I'm just, just thinking um, I'm using a Google form for me, um, having them fill out the practicing on there. And then I could do, you know, even graphs and charts of what people are doing, where they're succeeding, pull them together, multiple ones to see the progress over the year. So many mm-hmm. great things you can do. And then you got data for administrators and, you know. That, yes, that's the, I love my data. That's what I there did too. Go. I went look at all these, I put it at the concert. Here's the total minutes that my practice this race kids practice and you know yes. who's and that kind of yeah there you go and then they love that well gosh leslie thank you so much for being with us today and thank you to all you listeners who keep showing up and making a difference in kids lives through the magic of music education every single day the work you do matters and so do you join us next time on band director boot camp for another episode of productivity and wellness tips to make your life a little easier